Awake for two days straight and recovering from the epidemic that had killed most of the world's adults, Abby felt herself sinking deeper into the mattress of winter jackets she'd piled on the floor. Fearing that someone might try to enter the house, she roused herself by rolling onto her sunburned arm. Someone had to keep watch. Even though her mother's house was one of thousands abandoned since the night of the purple moon, Abby knew the mainland was a dangerous place. She ached to breathe the salty air of Castine Island again. Twenty miles east of Portland, Maine, her island home was about a hundred miles from Boston as the crow flies. She missed her sister, Toucan, while those on the island approaching adolescence were counting on her and her brother, Jordan, to return with antibiotic pills. The pills were the only cure for the deadly bacteria. The comet had streaked by Earth a year ago. Dust from its long tail had penetrated the atmosphere, turning the sky, sun, and moon purple. The dust also contained germs that attacked the human hormones first produced during puberty. Adults and older teens died within hours. The comet left a planet of children in its wake, with the oldest survivors living with a ticking time bomb of approaching adolescence. Scientists, in quarantine at the Centers for Disease Control, after many delays, had finally developed an antibiotic to defeat the bacteria, and were now in the early days of distributing the pills across the country. Abby twisted her head to glance at the others in the living room, Moonlight outlined Jordan on the couch with only his shaggy mop of brown curls for a pillow. Her brother always looked agreeable in sleep. Abby's blood chilled when she recalled just how close he had come to dying. She'd never complain about his stubborn streak again. Mandy and Timmy, the mainland kids, shared a cushioned chair Nine-year-old Timmy had survived the past year all on his own. With a cowlick and bright grin, he seemed to bounce from tragedy to tragedy, as if racing from one thrilling roller coaster ride to the next. Mandy, 14, looked so peaceful snuggled next to Timmy, nothing like the tough girl with multiple piercings and choppy blonde hair, whose glare at an adversary was as lethal as the long knife she carried. Through the window, Abby saw the full moon high in the sky and guessed it was one or two o'clock. It was quiet outside except for dogs barking in the distance and the hum of crickets chirping in the overgrown lawns. Her nose crinkled from the pungent smoke coming through the broken window panes. It smelled like burning rubber and chemicals, A fire must be raging in Boston, or maybe somewhere in Cambridge, another building or city block turning to ash. She scraped the scaly tip of her tongue against her teeth and tried to swallow. Despite her overpowering thirst, the effort to crawl to the can of beer sitting on the table ten feet away was too great. They all needed food and water, and Mel was their best bet. Abby's best friend since the second grade, Mel lived on Pearl Street, two blocks away. At least that was where she used to live. 
Abby hadn't seen her in over a year. Before the epidemic, they'd team up and torment Jordan whenever he annoyed them, which was always. Mel was faster and stronger than any boy she knew. Yesterday, Abby had stopped by Mel's and found laundry hanging in the yard, but it might have belonged to squatters. She had scratched a note on the front door just in case, to let Mel know that she and Jordan were at their mother's house. Would Mel share? Many kids hoarded food and water because they believed it was the only way to survive. Abby, on the other hand, believed that caring for every individual made the group stronger. That was how they tried to live on Castine Island. She realized the epidemic changed people, but thought her friend would help them if she could.